You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life family. How are you guys doing? All right. Well, I am excited to be here. My name is Josh Gray. I am the executive pastor here at Real Life, and we are capping off the final uh, mountain here in our Seven Mountains series. If you missed any of the series, please go online and watch them. I went online uh, yesterday and watched the art one because I wasn't here last week. I was with my family, and I wanted to stay caught up with what's going on with our church and what's being taught. Actually, when I first came to this church, um, I remember I wanted to... Have you ever been part of something where you feel like you kind of just jumped in into the middle of it? And you're like, wait a minute, I'm missing pieces here. What is this Tove Mayode stuff? And God is good, and he's not mad at me, and, and I'm not a horrible person. And like, so you kind of jump in the middle. So if you're like newer to our church within the last four, five, six months, two months, whatever months, you know, one of the things I did is I jumped into the sermons. And I used to listen to three or four sermons uh, a day for as long as I could till I got caught up. I wanted to figure out, I wanted to go on the same journey that everybody else had been on. And so praise God for technology. We can do that. You can see our beautiful faces here, or you can just listen to us. So I would encourage you to do that. So we have this mountain of business uh, that we get to talk about this week. You know, I was at a business this, uh, this whole last week. I was at a great business uh, seminar. And let me just tell you about these people. These people uh, had high quality service. Who appreciates high quality service from a business? I love high quality service, right? Who appreciates a business that takes pride in what they do and they take care of of their stuff? Absolutely. Who appreciates a business that maybe uh, also provides excellent service but also produces a great product? Who likes that, right? So in our minds, we have a great idea of what a business should look like. So how does that relate to to the world of being a Christian? And I am in charge of your business. You guys are all business owners here, here at Real Life. Did you know that? If you're a member here, you tithe here. This is your, this is your church. You have ownership here. And I work for you. So if I'm not doing a good job, you guys will let me know. But I am stewarding this business. And let me tell you about business here at Real Life. Business is Tove Mayoed. The business that I was at last week was the business of middle school, high school camp. I got the opportunity to be with incoming eighth graders and incoming ninth graders in very close quarters with six of them. Two, four, yeah, six. Six very close quarters with uh, eighth graders and ninth graders. It was pretty awesome. I learned a lot and I smell pretty good still. Um, but uh, what, a great, what a great business. And I talked to you about this business of service. You know, we have the young men I was with, they are outstanding servants. To serve and love God, we should be very excited. And the people that hosted the camp were 14 to 17 years old and their service was excellent. And by the end of the week, the product that we uh, created, that God created, was changed hearts. Have you ever seen those signs that say under new ownership? Same name, but just they want to let you know that the same people don't run that anymore. Right? Why do they want to let you know that the same people don't run that anymore? Because they're different. We're different. We're not the same as them. And so we had 17 people that decided to take on 
that we're under new ownership on Friday. 17, 17 young men and women got baptized and said, I'm under new ownership. Do you know if you missed it here and you weren't here on Thursday night, there was a baptism service here and there were six or seven more people that came up and said, hey, we're under new ownership. That's the business that our God is in. He's in the business of being, having you come under new ownership. And he gives you the free will to choose that. Nobody forces you to. Nobody manipulates into that. You have the free will to choose to follow God and his business. And he models that out for us in all kinds of different business uh, scenarios that we'll see today. Uh, Roughly about 13% of you are business owners. 87% of us work for a business owner. Think about that. The good news is that the millennial generation that's coming behind us, they are more excited about being independent in business for themselves. We will have more business owners. And wouldn't it be great if those business owners had a heart for the Lord? That the purpose of their business was to glorify God. Oh, by the way, it makes great money. The purpose of their business was to glorify God. Oh, by the way, they really take care of their employees. How many people want some more of those folks in our communities? It's creative when you think about, like I was watching that video with Tammy and Dennis, and if you don't know them and haven't got to spend time with them and hear their story, they are amazing people. Uh, Dennis invests his time within our church staff and our leadership, helping us develop leaders. You know, Tammy's got a heart for people. And I like what she said, you know, I wanted to be an artist. That's what she said at the very end of the video. Guess what? She's an artist. She's an artist of caring for people's hearts. She's an artist of creating something that says something to you. And so it kind of goes to our, to our first uh, point here is that the truth is that many people are making money uh, at a business, uh, but more so through their real mountain rather than being a genuine business person. And that's okay. If you're an educator or a teacher, you're in business. You're in the business of shepherding and moving people's souls through the education process more than just giving them the crazy new math stuff we do. If you're an artist, you're in business. If you're in government, you're in business because, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, that before we are Americans, before we are whatever our political party is, we are, number one, we are followers of Christ. Amen? And we're in business for our Father in heaven. And we should be about his business. So how do we go about his business? We want great young entrepreneurs in business, and we should support them. Let's look at the text here. Let's look at one of God's businessmen, Abram. So Genesis 12 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's uh, house to a land that I will show you. Hmm. It sounds like that's risky. You, maybe there's, is there a business that, that we're kind of a part of because somebody told somebody else to leave where they were comfortable? Kelly, Aaron, go from Coeur d'Alene. 
Pick up your family. Leave your kindred family, uh, Michael and Rosemary. Leave what's going on, Charlie and Eileen. Leave this great, big, safe, wonderful place, and I will take you to a far-off land where there's nobody that goes to your church yet, where you don't have a building, where there's no guarantee that you're going to make it financially. Business owners take risk, and that risk deserves to be respected and honored. Whether it's the business of starting a new church, the business of starting a flower shop, the business of starting a multi-million dollar corporation, billion dollar corporation like SEL, somebody took a risk. And God may ask you to take a risk, whether it's in business or it's in relationship or with something, but somebody took a risk. Next one. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you so, uh, I will bless you and make your name great. I want my name to be made great. Joshua Allen Gray, let's make it great. Because I, I want you guys to think that I'm something great and that I'm special and that I'm awesome and make my name great, Lord. Why do you want to make my name, let me ask, why do you want to make my name great, Lord? Oh, so that you will be a blessing. So that you will be a blessing. Next. I will bless those who bless you. Interesting, business owners, employees. Are you blessing the business that you work for? And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Are you a blessing or a curse for the business that you own or that you work for? Businesses should make the world a better place. So I'll give you some names of businesses and they'll see what the reaction is. How about the business of Enron? Anybody remember them? Mm. Do they take care of their employees? How about Tyco? How about a guy named Bernie Madoff and his businesses? Bad business owners create bad business, create ripples of destruction. Great business owners create great ripples of growth. Growth personally, growth financially, growth in all of those ways. Businesses should make the world better. We should take care of our environment. I was listening to Aaron's sermon from, uh, from Thursday, and he talked about... Uh, living in Libby and growing up in Libby, and that became one of the biggest environmental disasters that the country has ever seen. He used to play in vermiculite piles. Asbestos piles, basically. Like, oh, it's white snow, yay. Hundreds, hundreds of people died, left this world early. And do you think that the mine owners and the mines figured out that this was not good for the community. They knew it was good, wasn't good for the community. But people died because businesses are ran inappropriately. People died because business wasn't trying to make the world. How about taking care of your environment if you're a business? How about taking care of the environment of where you live and walk and breathe and function? Do you pick up trash when you see it? 
Do you feel like you have ownership in your community? Or is that somebody else's problem? Because once everybody else is pointing at somebody else's problem, what happens? We all have a bigger problem. So let's take a look at this here in Genesis. Um, So Abram is kind of the boss. He is very, very well off. And Lot is his nephew. And would be in a position of like an employee position in a sense still. So now Abram was very rich in livestock and in silver and gold. Sounds rich to me. And he journeyed on from Negev as far as Bethel to a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. To a place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents so that uh, so much that the land uh, could not support both of them dwelling together. God's blessed things so much. We got so much stuff going on that where we are currently doesn't fit. There's too much competition. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together and there was strife between herdsmen of Abram's livestock and herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Prezites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, hey, employee, I know I'm the boss person right here, but hey, let there be no strife between us. You know how businesses do in competition. Let us not have any strife between us. What do you want, business? What would you like? You pick. You choose. Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kidsmen, for we're family. For we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. You pick. You choose. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right, then I will go to the left. This is a weird conversation for an employee to be having with somebody that's serving with them and alongside them. You pick. You pick what you want. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, which would be good if you have lots of sheep and herds and all those things, right? And uh, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot uh, journeyed east. So if you look at uh, pictures, and I know Aaron has some pictures, those things, there is like a line as much as a line could be. You could walk four feet this way and it is not great soil. You could walk four feet this way and it's the luscious stuff you've ever seen, farmers. It's amazing. And so Lot took amazing, okay? So you think about an employee that does that. Or an employer is an employer serving and trying to find out, find what's best for their employee. And I hope you do that if you're an employer. So this, they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Cana while Lot settled among the cities and valleys and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Businesses should make the people that employees better. Just like Abraham. Gives him the options, gives him the choice. Not that you give away everything uh, to, to, to your employers and those things, but what's best for them? 
and then trusting in the Lord. Are we trusting in what God has for us? Do we trust that he's going to take care of us? Do we trust that he's going to go with us? As you make the world better, as you make the people better. Let's look again here. Uh, Genesis uh, 14. So Lot goes and he gets the better part of the deal. And uh, Abram's in moon rocks and camels with all of his folks. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took, took Lot. So they get overtaken in his fine, because guess what happens? Guess what other people want? Lush, fertile, amazing places to grow business. So there is competition. This is pretty rough competition. So they took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions, and they went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre and the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and Asner, these were allies of Abram. Hey, there's something that happened. One of your employees is in big trouble. Tough luck. Took advantage of me. Took the better stuff. He deserves it. Sounds like it's his problem. But that's not how, our, how, that's not how we act in, in our communities. Then uh, when Abram heard that his brother had been, or his family, his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men. Well, let me take some more of my resources. Let me take some more of my stuff and go help out the person who kind of treated me wrong. It's an interesting businessman. Um, he led forth his trained men born in, this, in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Chasing this down, 150 miles, not in a fighter jet at 400 miles an hour dropping bombs. Like 150 miles, like how far is that? Let's like, we're chasing them to Moses Lake. Let's go. Who's the 318? We're chasing these guys who took stuff from an employee who kind of took advantage of me. So I'm going to use some more of my resources, more of my time. We're going to go chase them. When Abram heard, or excuse me, and he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to uh, Hebron, north of Damascus. So now it's like a 300. We're going all the way to Seattle. We're getting everything back. Because to the victor goes the spoils. It's mine now. Then he brought back all the possessions. Yeah. And also brought back his kinsmen, Lot, with his possessions, and the women uh, and the people. After his return from uh, the defeat of the Cheddar Land, no, Cheddar, uh, uh, Cheddar Alomer, uh, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheveh, that is the, val- the king's valley. So glad that you went and chased and got all my stuff back. I'm so glad that Lot was in my area so you would go chase him and use your resources, your time, your investment, your energy to go get all of our stuff back. Uh, and uh, Melchizedek, king of uh, Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. 
So not only does he use his own personal resources to go chasing after an employee who didn't really treat him that great, right? And then he gets all of this stuff back, and then he comes back, and who does he give credit to? He gives credit to God. Here's a tenth of it, God. And then the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. Just give me my people back because people are pretty powerful in the kingdom and we need people, but you take the stuff for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours. Lest you should say I have made Abraham rich. Who made him rich? God made him rich. Who makes, who makes businesses prosper? God makes businesses prosper. Who makes employees amazing? God makes employees amazing. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, let Aner, uh, 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 Eshel, and Merim take their share. A weird businessman. investing and chasing after people. We take care of our communities. We take care of the things that God gives us and we take care of his most prized possession, which is who? You. You are his most prized possession. Now, what about the other 87% of us that work for somebody? I work for somebody. How should we function and act? for these people that take risks. You know, it's interesting you hear different stories about different businesses. Um, I heard, a, I was watching, uh, or looking at Facebook, and one of the guys I know, his boat broke down in Coeur d'Alene. And he said, and wouldn't you know, you know, who, you know who got him and towed him back to shore? Ed Schweitzer. That's pretty interesting that he would still see somebody through his business eyes, that there's a need and he takes care of need. I haven't heard a whole lot of negative stories about SEL and there should be an opportunity for a lot because they employ a lot of people, but I've heard a lot of positive stories about them taking care of people, flying people to different places and loving on their employees. It's a wonder that that business is probably prospering and that they're hiring and doing great things. This isn't an ad for SEL, but it's a wonder that you have a business owner that cares and takes care of things. And you're a business owner. And when you work for a business, you're representing your boss. And your boss is the Lord Jesus Christ if you've accepted him, if you're under new ownership. You should be, you should be early and stay late. How would you like the reputation of real life to be, oh, you want to hire those folks? These are the hardest working people I know. And when your boss notices that you're the hardest working person and he asks you, man, you are one of the most dedicated employees I've ever had. You know, I wish you would rub off on other people. What's your secret? I work for the Lord. My secret is in, is in Colossians 3.22. Bond servants, people who say, I'm willing to trade my time for dollars, for food, or for whatever. I'm willing to make a trade here. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of, of eye service. Oh, the boss is coming. 
Okay, so did you see this YouTube video, Peter? I want you to just distract some of your other employees back to what you're doing and take away from that. Don't even be that person. Don't be that. We're called higher to that. Not by the way of eye service or people pleasers. You're working hard when the boss is around. But with sincerity of heart. Know who you're working for. If you work for SEL, you're not just working for Ed Schweitzer. You're being watched, not by their cameras, by the Lord. But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Why do we want to fear the Lord? Because you said you were a Christian. You said you were under new ownership. Do you act like it? Is that how you're characterized? Whatever you do, God, Jesus, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are are serving the Lord Christ. What kind of business are you in? Is business good in your heart? What kind of people do we want to be? How do you want people to think of your God? Because they're watching. As as a business owner and as an employee. We're going to head into our time of communion. If you're uh, serving communion uh, today, please head back and get that. We have an open table. If you're under new ownership, I love that phrase. That's great. I'm open for business. I'm under new ownership. The Lord has my heart and my life. This is an open table. You are welcome to participate. We have uh, 23 new business owners that just started their business uh, under new ownership this week through baptism. Amen? They're just starting their business. How are you going to treat them as another business owner? They're in the business of serving God. They're in the business of surrendering their heart. Business is good. Your business is good. I don't even know if you guys knew it, but your business is good. So open table, we'll hold it together and then we'll take it at the end. Let's look at our first invocation. Whatever business we find ourselves in, we must use it as a vehicle to make God known to the world, not to pat our own pockets. And here's what's interesting. When you make your business, whatever it is, known to God, that, so people will know that God is awesome, it just somehow works out that you're just okay. I hope he lines your pockets. I hope business stays good. So whatever you do, you're making God known to the world. Next implication. Even if you hate your job or your boss, As a Christian, you have an obligation to God to be the best employee possible. Let me tell you the great thing about living in America. First of all, you won the lottery. Not very many people get to live in America. It seems big, but in the scheme of things, it's very small. It's very hard to starve in America. You have to set a goal to starve in America. You know, I have to choose which one of the 15 pairs of shoes I'm going to wear today, not uh, if I have a pair of shoes. So if you hate your job 
you should still honor your boss. But you have the ability through God, our Father in heaven, if he calls you to move, to trust him to move and go get a job that you love. And I bet you if you hate your job, it's not really the job's fault. I bet you it's something else. Somewhere in there, something else. And maybe you're the one that's going to be a witness to your boss. He treats you like garbage, makes you do the extra hard stuff, and you grind your way through it. And you point to your God. They should think Christian, real life, higher. Hard working, amazing people who will serve and love my employees, the employees around them and the business they work for. Next implication. Making lots and lots of money is fine. I actually love it. I hope you guys all double your salaries and businesses this next year. And I hope when that happens, you even remember the church in that process. Right? It's encouraged. It should be. Christians should be some of the most uh, prosperous people on this earth because they have a father in heaven who loves them that they're glorifying. Prosperous financially, prosperous in how people view them and look at them. But the responsibility of stewardship increases with greater wealth. Have you ever driven past the lottery sign and said, man, if I won that $300 million dollars, and have that discussion, you kind of dream a little bit. What would you do, Jay, with $300 million? Well, most of us would be broke and probably do poor things with it at the end of the world. At the end of the day, most lottery winners are in rough, rough, rough shape. Because the responsibility of that kind of money, we'd all like to still give it a run, uh, the responsibility increases. The ripples you can make. Well, I would pay off everything that all my family owns and, and you'd be paying it off again because they haven't learned the value of, of, of paying cash for things and trying to get out of debt. The responsibility increases with greater wealth. The Lord chooses to bless. Do you know that we wouldn't even be in this building if it wasn't for uh, a wealthy businessman who uh, helped us out when we needed a bigger down payment? I didn't even go to church anymore. But he, and this wasn't like, hey, we need $1,000. It wasn't like, hey, we need $10,000. It wasn't, hey, we need $100,000. It was more. And because the, the Lord had his heart, and it was the Lord's money, and he knew it, he wrote a giant check to get us into a facility. One person under submission to God with his business. Next one. Businessmen and women with a kingdom mindset are going to be the change agents in the church world in the future. Do you know that probably in yours and my lifetimes, you will not get a tax deductible receipt for giving to a church? That's probably going to go away. And I hope you guys don't give here because you get a tax deduction. But realistically, People that give and, and are changing this, this world are going to be businessmen and people who understand what they can do in the kingdom. I would love to send about 300 kids from Moscow and Pullman to the camp that I just experienced. What if I were standing up here and we were talking about the 75 kids that just put under new ownership uh, over their heart? That's the business that we're in. We're in the business of changing lives. 
and business is good and God is good to us, but we have to stay faithful to it. Even if tax laws say that it's not going to be advantageous to your bottom line, I think the Lord knows what the bottom line really is. Amen? Amen. All right. Lord, uh, first of all, I just hope that your word comes clear. We see a great, uh, clear, we just have a great example of Abram uh, loving his employees, doing things that sometimes don't even make sense in, in our earthly math, but makes sense because it glorifies you. And we're sitting here talking about it thousands and thousands of years later because he glorified you. Lord, help us glorify you. Lord, your son served us. He has a story of washing feet and he knew the one that would betray him and he washed his feet anyway. Lord, help us be the kind of business owners that think about your business and where you're going. So on that night, Jesus sat with his disciples. He took the bread and he said, take it, all of you, and eat. This is my body. You are under new ownership. Let's be under new ownership. And then he took the cup. He said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. Are you in covenant with the Lord? Are you in his business? Let's be in business together. Father God, I thank you for this series. I thank you for this time. I know I've learned a ton from this series, Father. I ask that you just have your hand on today on everything that we're doing. On the employees here, Lord, that, that are working for you, that are working for others, that are serving, Father God. And the business owners here, Lord, prosper those businesses so they will prosper others, Father. So, Lord, I just thank you for this time. May your word fall upon us and stay with us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com.